Greetings and salutations, and welcome back to Unknown Friends, my weekly book review podcast. I am Rochelle Ferguson, reader, teacher, and playwright from Kitty Wham Productions, and this week you have tuned in to my 21st episode of this podcast. Before we get to today's review, if you could just take a second to hit the subscribe button and join the Unknown Friends squad. I didn't know there was such a thing. That just came out of my mouth. But that would be great if you could subscribe. Uh, And thank you so much to those who already have. Now, today's book I'm reviewing is, of course, The Chosen, written by Chaim Potok. I hope I am pronouncing his name at least close to right. And it was published in 1967. The story traces the friendship and education of two teenage Jewish boys living in New York at the end of World War II. The book opens when both boys are 15, and it continues through their senior year of undergraduate studies, so it stretches over several years. Now, I read that Chaim Potok did not expect this, his very first novel, to be popular at all. He thought maybe, you know, a few hundred Jews would find it interesting, but beyond that, no one else. Well, much to his surprise, The Chosen was hugely successful um, and well outside the Jewish community. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for 39 weeks, I believe, and by now it has sold millions of copies, um, and it's Potok's best-known work of fiction. Now, if you feel like you've heard this title somewhere else, I hope you have, and I hope you've heard it from the TV series from Dallas Jenkins called The Chosen about the life and ministry of Christ. Uh, It is not connected to today's book, except by having the same title, but I do love The Chosen TV series. Please go watch it if you haven't. It's, It's truly wonderful. I should point out The shared title of that series and this novel is not accidental. In both cases, the title comes from the Bible and the history of the Jewish people, who have always been called God's chosen people, his children. At least with the TV series, I think the title means not only the Jews as a people, but has many layers of meaning, and I assume most of all it's pointing to Christ himself, the chosen one of God, the Messiah. Now, that reference is not implied, to my knowledge, in the title of Chaim Potok's novel, which is written from a Jewish perspective and not a Christian one. So let me introduce you to this very interesting author. Chaim Potok was born in New York in 1929 to a couple of Jewish immigrants from Poland. He was given an Orthodox Jewish education, and his parents, who were Hasidic Jews, did not want him to read non-Jewish material, but he did. He read secular novels and Christian novels, and in his teens, he was inspired to start writing fiction, specifically by Brideshead Revisited by the Catholic novelist Evelyn Waugh, which was the first book he happened to pick up and read at a public library, unbeknownst to his parents. And he showed early talent with his writing. He had some stories published by the literary magazine of Yeshiva University, where he attended undergrad and earned his bachelor's in English literature. He then studied at the Jewish Theological Seminary of America and then became a rabbi. 
a conservative Jewish rabbi. It's interesting, he had three younger siblings, and in the end, all four of them either became rabbis themselves or married rabbis. But note that it was around this time that he was significantly breaking from his upbringing, whereas he was raised in an orthodox home in a Hasidic community, he moved to conservative Judaism as an adult, which is a big deal. So Posach became a rabbi, and then from 1955 to 57, still only in his mid-twenties, he enlisted as a chaplain in the army, and he served in South Korea, which was an eye-opening experience for him. After Korea, he started teaching at a Jewish university in Los Angeles, and he also became the director of a conservative Jewish summer camp nearby. And there he met a young woman, a social worker, whom he soon married in 1958. And from that point, he gradually came into his literary career. The couple moved away from California, and Potok earned a doctorate in philosophy, he became the editor of a magazine um, actually called Conservative Judaism, and soon the editor-in-chief for the Jewish Publication Society in Philadelphia. And it was shortly after that that he wrote and then published The Chosen in 1967, his debut novel. And quickly, just, just to finish out his life story, he and his wife um, and their three children moved to Israel for a time. They lived in Jerusalem from 1970 to 77, before returning to Pennsylvania, where he lived for the rest of his life. He passed away from brain cancer in 2002 at age 73, and by that time he had written several novels, including a sequel to The Chosen along with many stage plays and quite a lot of nonfiction as well. So let that suffice for a quick biography of this author, and let's move right along to discuss the novel's plot and characters and themes. First of all, I want to briefly try to lay groundwork by describing the basic divisions of Judaism that feature in this novel. I am far, very, very far from being an expert on modern Judaism. I know next to nothing. But I learned a little bit from this book, and so I think it'll be helpful to briefly distinguish, especially between Hasidic Judaism and modern Orthodoxy. Then conservatism is its own thing, which developed, I think, more or less since World War II. And like I mentioned, Chaim Potok himself moved from Orthodoxy to conservatism. Anyway, here is, here is my understanding. The broad umbrella of Orthodox Judaism covers quite a few different factions. On one end, you have ultra-Orthodox Judaism, and Hasidism is one of the main groups on this side of the spectrum. Then on the other hand, you get what is generally known as modern Orthodoxy, which also has various subdivisions, some more liberal, some more conservative. Really, all I know about the ultra-Orthodox end is about the subgroup Hasidism specifically, because that's what I read about in The Chosen. So Hasidism originated in Eastern Europe in the 18th century, and its approach to the Jewish religion is more mystical than you find in other Jewish subdivisions. Hasidic communities are generally led by hereditary rabbis, so the leadership is um, dynastic 
and each rabbi has great authority in his community. And in general, Hasidism is very traditional, very strict, and it avoids participation in modern secular society. It also has distinctive modes of dress for men and women. In, in The Chosen, the boy who's one of the main characters, he has traditional um, locks of hair in front of his ears. Um, and in general, the Hasids wear a lot of black and a few things like fur hats on certain occasions that are relics of their Eastern European origin. Now, on the other hand, modern Orthodox communities, while still devout um, and observant of Jewish law, they are more open to engaging in the culture around them, and some even view it as essential to engage and strive to make a positive impact on the culture. Also, many members of modern Orthodoxy also embrace religious Zionism, or support for the state of Israel, and some even regard Israel the nation in a messianic light. So that is about the extent of my knowledge um, of divisions of modern Judaism, but hopefully it will be enough to set up a summary of the plot of The Chosen, which is what I want to give you next. So the two boys, the main characters I've already mentioned, whose friendship forms the core of the novel, they're named Reuven Malter and Danny Saunders. Reuven is the narrator. He, he has no siblings and his father is a widower and he is a modern Orthodox Jew. So he and his father are very religious and obedient to Jewish law. Reuven attends a yeshiva or a Jewish parochial school um, and he diligently studies Talmud. When the story opens, Reuven and Danny don't know each other yet, and Danny, though he's the same age as Reuven and lives only a few blocks away, he is part of the Hasidic Jewish community. So he attends a different school, a different synagogue, and he has never had contact with Reuven's family before. Now, in the opening chapter, uh, and I, I love the opening chapter, it's so intriguing and unlike anything I've read before. Both Reuven's school and Danny's have baseball teams, and for the first time, the two teams are meeting for a game. And one of Reuven's friends says he's heard about this team they're coming up against. They're Hasidic, and they detest uh, less conservative Jews, and the team just destroys everyone they play against. Well, Reuven isn't sure he buys this. He's, he's not afraid. His team is a very good team, and so he feels pretty confident that they can beat this opposing group. And here's the thing. I am not into sports, like, at all, but this was the most fascinating baseball game I have ever read about in a book. The Hasidic team, led by Danny Saunders, just strides onto the field with the aura of like super villains or something, at least in the eyes of Reuven and his friends. The Hasidic boys are all in, in traditional black, they all have earlocks, and you just kind of know they're going to be intimidating opponents. And they are. It's, it's weird, a lot of them aren't necessarily great players, um, but Danny is, and he guides his teammates, and they also just use the intimidation factor and like are calling Reuven's team heretics and things. So it's a very close game in the end. I won't tell you who wins, but I will tell you Reuven gets hurt. He is struck by a ball that Danny hit. And so the long and short of it is he has to go to the hospital and ends up staying there for a week. 
While Danny, um, seeing as how he hit the ball that injured Reuven, he eventually pays Reuven a visit in the hospital to try to apologize. And although the boys did not start out on good terms thanks to the events of Chapter 1, pretty soon they eventually become friends, and eventually best friends, a friendship that lasts for years and endures even when they're not allowed to talk to each other for a very long time later in the novel. And like I said, that friendship is the heart of the story. The way Reuven and Danny help each other, learn from each other. Um, they even connect with each other's father in interesting ways. And you could even say, in the end, they almost... This, this sounds too dramatic, but they almost fulfill each other's destiny in a way. I only mean as they each grow up and find their place in life, to an extent, they become more alike um, or come to appreciate and even internalize certain aspects of one another's worlds. Because they do come from very different worlds, despite the fact that they're both Jewish, modern orthodoxy and Hasidism are so different that Reuven and Danny truly come from two distinct cultures and ways of thinking. Now, Already, you can see that this story is deeply rooted in Chaim Potok's own past, growing up in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, but eventually being drawn toward a slightly less strict, less mystical branch of Judaism. And this is a tension we see in The Chosen between different ways of being Jewish in the modern world. And if we look at the dates carefully, we'll see that Reuven and Danny are exactly the age that the writer himself was at this point in history. They're both 15 when the book opens in 1944, and Potok, being born in 1929, would have been 15 in 1944. So he is certainly drawing from his own experience. That said, he wrote many stories on this general theme, Jewish boys growing up, questioning some of the traditions, finding their place in the world, the struggle between Jewish orthodoxy and modernity. So while obviously these questions are deeply personal to Chaim Potok, I don't think it would be wise to label any of his works as strictly autobiographical. His many novels are variations on a theme. So in The Chosen, neither Reuven nor Danny, I don't think, should be regarded as an exact image of the author. But a few more comments about the different ideas at play in this novel. Obviously, there's the question of to what extent conscientious Jews should engage in the secular world, and different characters present different answers. But other themes here are worth noting too. Of course, there's the theme of friendship, but then another that I think is just beautiful in this story is the theme of learning. Both Reuven and Danny are highly intelligent. Reuven has a knack for mathematics especially, and Danny has a photographic memory, and he just reads nonstop, and he remembers it all. And they both have aspirations that motivate their love of learning. Reuven wants to become a rabbi, Danny is fascinated with psychology, and also the study of Talmud, the Jewish law, and the generations of commentaries on the law. That is central to their Jewish education. 
and it's central to the novel as well. Several turning points in the story hinge on the boys' Talmud study and their conversations about it with each other and with their fathers. So it's just inspiring how committed both of these young men are to developing their minds. They demand much of themselves, and they're enthusiastic about it. And that's something I know I can learn from, um, and I think we all can. And the other cool thing is that the book itself is very much teaching us. It's in some ways a study of modern Judaism, and simply in reading the novel, I learned about Hasidism, I learned about Talmud, I learned about um, Zionism and the establishment of the Jewish state in 1948. I learned about uh, gematria, which is the practice of deriving meaning from Hebrew words based on associated numerical values. It's so interesting. So this book unveils a part of history and a whole culture, well, multiple cultures, that I knew almost nothing about. So learning happens not only for Reuven and Danny, but simultaneously for the reader. And then lastly, the other theme I want to touch on from The Chosen is, um, let's call it silence, or different, um, different approaches to communication. And it's also tied to parenting. Um, this theme is a complex one. I'll try to explain. So Reuven and Danny and their fathers are the principal four characters of the book. And as a result of that, each boy's relationship with his own father is highlighted. Reuven and his father have a very open relationship. They love each other. They're honest with each other. They talk about everything. And they trust each other. Danny, on the other hand, has a very different relationship with his father, Reb Saunders. His father is the rabbi of their Hasidic community, and because of the dynastic setup of things, Danny is expected to succeed his father as rabbi one day. But Reb Saunders does not talk with his son, except when they study Talmud. The rest of the time, he is silent to Danny, and Danny doesn't know why. So he respects his father, he loves him, but he doesn't understand him. And he certainly doesn't feel the same connection with his father as Reuven does with his. Now, Reb Saunders does have a reason for his silence, but that is not revealed until the very end of the book, so unfortunately I can't tell you. And I'm not totally sure what I think of the reason either. You, you kind of have to experience the book, learn Reb Saunders' reason, and then think about it on your own. Elsewhere in the novel, too, silence comes into play and the possibility of communication despite silence. So for a time, Danny and Reuven are forbidden to talk to one another. And during that time, we see them communicating in other ways, just with looks and things. And we see that friendship can survive even through the absence of verbal communication. So there are ways to work with silence in a relationship but is it the ideal situation? I don't think so. And I think Reuven's very connected, very communicative relationship with his father is a pretty strong statement against the silent parenting of Reb Saunders, despite his reasons for his approach. So it's always hard or impossible to present conclusive 
analyses of themes in a book review, since I can't give away the book's secrets or any spoilers. But I hope that by sharing generally some of the topics a book like this is exploring, I can give you enough to help you decide whether you're interested in reading the novel, and also help you know what ideas to watch for if you do read it. So I I highly recommend The Chosen. You can tell I was fascinated by the setting, the characters, and all the questions the book considers. There is a little bit of language. Actually, I only remember it during the baseball game at the beginning. I I don't recall for sure if there's any more after that. There's certainly not a lot in the book. Other than that, there was nothing objectionable in the novel, and I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. So thank you for listening to today's review. A quick heads up about next week. I have gone back and forth and back and forth on this, but I've reluctantly decided that the wise thing for me to do is to delay the next episode one week. I hate to skip a week, especially after skipping one just a month ago from my family vacation. But here's the situation. You know I'm a playwright. Kitty Wayne Productions is my play publishing company. And this month, I am in the thick of writing a new script. It's long. It'll be almost a two-hour drama when it's performed. And I just need to focus all my energies on finishing it. So unfortunately, there will be no book review episode next week on September 16th. I'm so sorry, and I will miss doing it, but thank you so much for understanding, and I will look forward to returning on the 23rd. I am very excited to share with you The Book of the Dun Cow by Walter Wangerin Jr. I don't even know how to describe this work. It's unique, and it's very good. So so two weeks from now, ooh, can I call it a fortnight? I've got a British brother-in-law now. I think I have the right. So a fortnight from now, in episode 22, I will look forward to reviewing the book of the Dun Cow. So I hope you tune in then. <laughs>